It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Talk to JT. As we are rolling on on the biggest topic in the NFL, who will be the Raiders quarterback? This is nothing to dive into and look crazy about. Have we lost our bleeping mind? Look, the elephant in the room is the majority of our audience are Raider fans, and they would like the Raiders to win now. They don't want to rebuild. They don't care about two or three years. The last 20-plus years have been hard, and they're sick of it. Excuses die. The record stands. JT the Brick. Are you kidding me? It's an absolute free-for-all with the Raiders on national radio debate shows. Everybody now is throwing blank up against the wall. No, no, no. Who are you listening to? Who's putting this in your head? But what happens next is what should this team do that's responsible, not reckless, makes sense, and could kind of thread the needle and get this team back to greatness. Are you with me on that? Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. And now, sound off like you got a pair. Here's JT the Hey, welcome back, everybody. JT right here in Vegas on the flagship of the Silver and Black on the Raiders mobile app. And on 920 AM in Vegas, hope everyone had a great Easter. If you celebrated Passover, Ramadan, whatever your holiday was, if you celebrated it with family and friends, I'm happy for you. I hope you had a great weekend. As I said earlier, the weather has flipped. We're feeling like Vegas again. It's starting to warm up. Uh, Vegas, the sports and entertainment capital of the world. Definitely the entertainment capital of the world and a lot happening with sports. We're about less than three weeks out from the draft, which is a big thing in our building with all the shows that we have, our morning show, myself and Q. You're going to get all the draft coverage that you need as the Raiders pick number seven overall if they decide to pick a number seven, move up, or trade back. And what we're going to try to do is get your mock draft experts on and people that are familiar with what the Raiders might do. We don't know what they're going to do, but what is the smart move for the Raiders? Well, what does the media think that the Raiders are going to do? Because everybody else is not going to give us a straight answer. So we got to get guys on in the media who aren't tied to the Raiders and some of the Raider insiders. You know, we're going to have Vic, and I'm sure we're going to have Vinny on at least one or two more times. I've reached out to Paul Gutierrez, our insiders, Levi Edwards. Mark Anderson's coming up here in a few minutes, and we'll ask them what they think. And we all have differing opinions, and there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with having different opinions. So what I'm trying to focus on with you, if you're a caller or you want to use Twitter, is to just tell me what the Raiders' biggest need is this week. Need position, not player. And then next Monday, it's going to start to play towards the players, the individual players there. And then the week of the draft, which the draft is on Thursday night, I am going to whip it up into a frenzy like I think I can do. I'm going to have everybody just wired and freaking out and going crazy in a good way to see what the Raiders are going to do. And then on that Thursday night of the draft, we'll make the pick. And we'll talk about it, and we'll have the first commentary in all of Las Vegas on that pick on the flagship station. We'll get the GM, we'll get the coach, we'll get the player like we do every year. That's exciting for me. I'm really honored to be in that position with my teammates here on Raider Nation Radio and Silver and Black Productions. So that's pretty much the rest of the month of April, the NBA playoffs, as I mentioned in the first hour here. Uh, This is a city that's trying to get the NBA. So for everybody listening to me in the car in Las Vegas, you have a favorite NBA team. I'm assuming it's the Lakers for living out here since 96. I know there's a lot of Laker fans here. Not a lot of Sacramento Kings fans, even in Sacramento. Sacramento's got about 18,000 Sacramento King fans. That's about it, and they go to all the games, and they're a good fan base. But they don't have the, the fan size of the Lakers or the Celtics. Are you kidding me? And they're going to play the Warriors in the first round that I think is going to be very intriguing. And then on the baseball front, I think this is a Dodger town. I know it's not an Oakland A town. It's a Dodger town. And the A's are thinking about moving here. 
And I just told you before we went to the top of the hour quickly that the A's are 2-7, and seven, and they have a media nightmare scenario going down. His fans are like, no, I'm not going to go on a Tuesday night. Well, wait a second, tickets are 5 bucks. I- I'm just not going because they, may- they think I'm a tool. The owner and the president and everybody else thinks I'm going to come here and buy beer and sit in an empty outfield. No, I'm not going to do that. I've seen that before in other cities and sports. And if you don't immediately move, when the Raiders moved from Oakland to Vegas that last year, remember the Gardner Minshew game, lost to Jacksonville? There was only eight Raider home games. Eight in a year. You knew the Raider fans were going to come out no matter what. Was every game a sellout? No. There were a couple empty seats at the top of Mount Davis. All right. But it was packed. It's Raider fans. The best tailgating I've ever seen, ever. Right? So Raider fans came. The Oakland A fans aren't going to do that. Oakland A fans aren't going to park and, and give them parking dollars and come in on BART and go watch a team that's 2-7 and seven and telling everybody that they're trying to move to Vegas. Those fans are Raider fans. They're smarter than that. So I wanted to touch on that again as we open up the hour. John Rahm won the Masters. Haven't taken a Masters call in Vegas, which is one of the biggest – Golf cities in America. We have Shadow Creek, the Summit, Southern Highlands, Dragon Ridge, all throughout Anthem, all throughout where I live here in Summerlin by my house. I live at Red Rock. You got TPC Summerlin, and I'm sitting here looking for a John Rom call and live versus the BGA. Again, it's a big topic. John Rom won yesterday. If you're a golf fan, uh, put it in perspective on how it affected you on Easter Sunday. Probably got a big rating. We'll wait for that number to come out. According to Adam Schefter, at least six teams have inquired with the Arizona Cardinals about trading up for the third-round pick. In the upcoming NFL draft, sources tell him the Cardinals are mulling over whether to make the pick or move it. Well, that's pretty obvious. Only one of two things they can do. They're either going to move out of number three. How far back will they go? Will they go from three to four to Indianapolis? Will they go three to seven to the Raiders? I don't know. The Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans are widely projected to select the first and second quarterback overall, which would be Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud in either order. The Cardinals already have Kyler Murray as their franchise quarterback. And Steve Keim, who's had some problems there in Arizona as the GM and the system that they put in, and Kyler Murray. Remember this comment about Kyler Murray as Arizona's sitting there wondering what they're going to do with this quarterback who seems to be a bit troubled. Does he know what Peyton Manning and Tom Brady know, knows what it takes to be great? No. Um, does he work? He does work. Um, I think it's just that side of the, the game, the, the, the film study, the attention to detail part that he can continue to improve upon. And I think he will. Um, cause Kyler's a proud guy, man. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to lose and he doesn't want to, um, let people down. So, you know, I think his best ball is ahead of him. I think they need to be creative and do the right things with them offensively. But, you know, I think the, the best ball is ahead of him, and I think he'll get it right. But, like I said, it's just, to me, in that area of watching film, studying the game, attention to detail, uh, I think that's the area where he can vastly improve. Wow. That's a pretty big shot at Kyler Murray, man. Right? If they could get out of that pick and taking him number one overall a few years ago and giving him that contract extension, they'd be bailing from that right now. Kyler Murray, I like him too. Went to Oklahoma, played well, number one pick in baseball and football. He just doesn't seem to be locked in the way some of these other quarterbacks are. And that's what's really intriguing to me about Josh McDaniels. People have different impressions of Josh McDaniels. Some people that are in the know and some people who think they're in the know because they think they know him. I don't claim to know him well, but I talk to him more than anybody in this town on radio and TV, and he's a taskmaster. He wants the quarterback to develop 
with his brain and his skill set. He knows the skill set already. He's demanding more with the playbook. He's giving the quarterback specific instructions that have to be executed almost perfectly. And he's not going to apologize for that, Josh McDaniels, because of the success he's had with Tom Brady. He expects the quarterback to show up early, stay late, be a leader, bring the team together, and execute the offense. That's it. And if they're going to take a young kid to do that and park him, that young kid's going to learn under Brian Hoyer and Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think you can get a quarterback like that in the second or third round, but he won't be a franchise quarterback. He'll be someone that could learn and potentially be good. If you want a franchise quarterback for Josh McDaniels, you got to take him in the first two or three picks. Because then after that, you're not getting Anthony Richardson. You're not going to probably get Will Levis. You're definitely not getting C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young unless they are able to trade up. And if they trade up, that means they're going to have less picks to go rebuild the defense. Uh, Back to Arizona. Arizona has eight selections in the draft, including the third spot. That's number 34 overall. Two picks in the third round, number 66 and 96, and then a bunch after that. But the ones after that really can't change your franchise quickly. The Cardinals entered free agency with 30 of their players scheduled to hit the open market. And they're trying to trade DeAndre Hopkins. No doubt about it as they gave him permission to seek a trade on his own, according to reports. DeAndre Hopkins is scheduled to have a $30.75 million cap hit. A trade would save the Cardinals $8.15 million in cap space, but they'd have a $22.6 million dead cap hit for him. And you start looking at these quarterbacks and, and big players, by releasing Hopkins after June 1st or releasing him before that, and designate him a post-June 1 relief would, sa- would save him close to $20 million. So a lot of business will be done after June 1st. Ian Rappaport spoke about the move. Odell Beckham Jr., right? This was a bit of a surprise over the weekend. The amount of money for Odell Beckham Jr. to the Ravens was alarming. Is this a lure to get Lamar Jackson to come back? Well, Odell Beckham Jr., remember, showed up at owners' meeting to meet with basically two teams – the Jets and the Ravens, then it became pretty evident late last week that he was going to go down the road with the New York Jets. They weren't there on a deal, but they were, I would say, working toward a deal or trying to get on the same page. The Jets scheduled a visit. That news broke on Saturday, and really as soon as the news broke, the Baltimore Ravens, who were still very interested in Odell, were willing to pay and really needed him as a number one receiver, whereas for the Jets, behind Garrett Wilson, probably would have been a number two receiver for future quarterback Aaron Rodgers to throw to. At that point, the Ravens got involved and started engaging agent Zeke Sandu, Odell's longtime agent, to try to get a deal done. And so it's no surprise that yesterday, right around the time when Beckham was supposed to leave for New York, supposed to fly for his visit for the Jets, that was supposed to be taking place right now, the Ravens struck a deal. It is a one-year deal with up to $18 million, which I know the up to causes everyone to roll their eyes and go, oh, what is it, like $10 million? No, it's pretty legit. It's $15 million guaranteed over one year. It's going to look a lot less than the salary cap because they're adding voidable years. $3 million in additional incentives also available for Beckham. So after all this, after 14 months of being a free agent, after several visits during the season, he gets a deal before his visit to the Jets, and now the Ravens have a new receiver. That's a pretty big move. Think of what Odell Beckham Jr. did. He flew to the owner's meeting. Wouldn't you do that if you needed a job? I got kids graduating from college, getting into the job market. Get on a plane and go meet your bosses. 
That's exactly what happened there. Odell Beckham Jr. said, we don't have anything here. I want to go back to work. I want to make more money than I'm worth. So he flew to the owners' meetings, and he got the Jets and Baltimore to bid for each other. And then when he didn't get the deal from the Jets right, Baltimore said, oh, my God, he's getting on a plane. He's going to play with Aaron Rodgers. we got to get him. Genius. There's two quarterbacks that are in flux now, Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson. You just heard Ian Rappaport say Baltimore and the Jets, right? Aaron Rodgers presumably going to the Jets. Lamar Jackson in flux with Baltimore. So Baltimore said, let's get OBJ in here. And hopefully it makes Lamar happy. See, because they know Lamar's going to be upset. Lamar's not going to like this. Hopefully he doesn't act like a baby. Little babies throw away their toys and run out of the house. Lamar Jackson can do that. He might say, you know, I'm not going to play for $34 million. I might blow out my knee, never play again. I'll wait. I'll sit out a year. I'll be 27. I'll play somewhere else. He might. I don't think he should. It's $34 million. But they just got Odell Beckham Jr., Kind of like what Dallas did with Luka Doncic getting him Kyrie Irving. Remember that? That backfired. They went out and said, Luka, you're not going to win here. We'll get you Kyrie Irving and try to get you to the playoffs. It imploded. Well, Mark Cuban at least made a move. He tried to do something to stir it up a bit, and it backfired. Baltimore, this could backfire. If it turns out Odell Beckham Jr. becomes a flake, doesn't want to play in Baltimore, wants to be a New York, L.A. guy, he could be. He's he's an idiot on airplanes. I told the story. I was flying back for a gig on a Super Bowl gig in Las Vegas two years ago, and he was on the plane with me. And he he was just a guy who walked through the airport with like it was the president. He had five security guards with him to get on an airplane, and he just to come to Vegas to get a check. And I was like, stay away from this guy. But he's a hell of a player when healthy. Seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred Raider Dave is joining us again. How how you been, Dave? Hope you had a good holiday. Go ahead. Oh, I did have a good holiday. I went to Saratoga, Wyoming, and made some cold, hard cats. Whoa! <laughs> Doing some billiards, just like uh, Minnesota fat. Nice. Cold, hard cash. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, you know, the uh, the deal with the, the Masters over the last few years, even when Tiger won, it just seemed to lope along, and nobody would really make a run. I really thought mm. this was going to be exciting. You had Spieth and Lefty really making runs. The amateur, watching the amateur was really exciting. You know, it's a shame he's not going to qualify for next year because I think he played his heart out. But the whole thing at the end with Kepka, and I don't know if he's just used to playing three rounds anymore mm-hmm. or whatever the deal is, but it just didn't really have the drama that I liked. And it was unfortunate about the delays and everything, but the place is as beautiful as it has ever been. They lengthened 13. I don't think that really changed much. There was a lot to do about nothing there, I think. But overall, uh, the last few years, it, it just hasn't been – a run to get there with Rory falling off. And, you know, it was, it was just kind of mundane. And I don't know that it's been as exciting over the, as it was until about five years ago, but God bless, you know, Woods, it was hard to watch him just like it was hard to watch RG three in the playoffs. And it was cool to see uh, couples go ahead and qualify. You know, you're right about the draft. We were talking about this, about defense, but my question is this frugality that the Raiders have taken on during this off short off season so far, how far back do they need to trade in order to get and get out of a fifth-year option on a guy? Isn't it like pick 15 or something? Mm. And I think that if they get four quarterbacks to go right away, they're going to have the choice of seven of Gonzalez or Carter or Witherspoon or Carter or Witherspoon or Gonzalez. You know, two of those three will probably be there depending on what the teams do ahead of them. But I really think they've got to trade back just a little bit to get that extra third-round pick or the extra mm-hmm. second late-round pick so they could pick up, you know, Bennett or some other quarterback there, along with not, to, not uh, you know, 
if they take an offensive uh, member that early in the draft, first, second, third round, it's going to take away. But is it worth, Dave? Is it worth taking a second or third round quarterback if you're not in love with them? You're just saying you got to do it because we got to develop a quarterback. I mean, if you're going to do that at number three or four or seven, I can live with that. But all of a sudden, it's the second, third round, and you think, oh, we got to get another quarterback, and but he's nowhere near the guy we want, like Levison and Richardson. We didn't get him, so let's just take away a defensive need and take a quarterback. No, I don't want to take away a defensive need. But the thing is, is I'm not sure that any one of these top four can mm-hmm. be somebody that is, the Raider fan base can get excited about going against Mahomes. I just, what did they not like about Chase Gardner? They ended up picking him up, and he was a UFA. So they just want to replace him with another quarterback and try to go ahead and, and uh, you know, work with the quarterback. Then maybe they take somebody. In the well, Richardson, Richardson could be, have the ceiling of Mahomes. I doubt it. Mahomes could yeah. be a generational player. But with Richardson, at yeah. least you go into the Raiders in the future saying, oh, my God, we got someone that could be one of the greats Possible. athletically Possible. of all time. That's a big risk, but you got to park the guy because he would be fragile if you put him in and he got blown up in his first year, first year and a half, and you'd, where, where would you be? Absolutely. Hey, I'm uh, going to Vegas this weekend, going to play Arroyo. What are your thoughts on that? I'll be around there on Saturday. I'll give uh, Bobby my number. Cool. We can have a beer. Thank you. I appreciate that, buddy. Um, Arroyo's nice. It's it's Red Rock. Appreciate the call. And it's a Red Rock Arroyo, which is not Red Rock Private Country Club. I've played them both, but Arroyo's a lot of fun right there. And the weather's going to be great, and you're looking at the same mountains of Red Rock. I always say that. When you're on a tee box, okay, you could be at the summit, right, the, the new jewel in the world of golf. You could be sitting at Red Rock, Arroyo, whatever. As long as you can look into the horizon, and look out and see the Red Rocks. And you can on every tee and every green. Remember, you, you could pay 700 bucks and win and look out at casinos, or you can pay 80 bucks to play a golf course. When I play golf out here, I do that often. What I'll do is, because, you know, I'm not John Rahm, but I'll get out there, have a couple of Modellos, and look out at the mountains. I'll take a picture. I said, man, playing golf, it's 81 degrees, and look at the mountains. I grew up in New York. There were trees and forests and, you know, hearing cars behind the, behind the fairway. You know, this is, this is amazing to play golf out in town. Wherever you play, wherever you play, Spanish trails with my buddy J.O.D. or if I'm at Las Vegas Country Club, I, I play there a lot. Or if you can go anywhere out to Anthem and play Revere or Dragon Ridge or whatever, wherever you play golf in this town, take a step back and enjoy it. Look around and enjoy the scenery. Now, a lot of times it's a, you know, you come in and you're looking at rocks or you're looking at, you know, mountains, steep mountains, but it's better than where I played golf most of my time, other than San Diego, when you're out in Del Mar or, Del Mar or La Jolla. Man, we are lucky to live out here and have golf and to be able to play it at all different price points. 702-365-9200. We're going to get Mark Anderson uh, to join us here momentarily. We'll talk to Mark and get him up and ask him about what's happening. UNLV had their spring game with new coach Odom, and I saw it on the news. All the news, local news covered it, and it looked like they were really excited on the defensive side of the ball. So here we go again. Rinse, wash, rinse, and repeat. We got a new head coach for UNLV football. Will that make a difference? Will that make a difference going forward? I hope it does. When we come back, we'll talk to Mark Anderson. He'll jump in here, one of the longest-tenured journalists in town. Mark's always got something sharp and smart to say about what's happening in sports here in this town, and there's a lot to get to. Baseball, college football, the NBA playoffs, and how about the Vegas Golden Knights? Man, with these Seattle games, put Seattle down and keep that one seed. 
We'll be talking about that all week on the flagship of the Raiders. Brought to you by our good friends at the Castaverde Law Group. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Modelo, a proud sponsor of the Raiders and the official beer of fans with a fighting spirit. You know I love my Modelo. We got a lot coming up with Modelo Cinco de Mayo. A couple of remotes coming up. Modelo, the fighting spirit. JT, back with you as we're a couple weeks out here from the NFL draft, and the Raiders have the seventh pick, long time. Las Vegas sports insider and journalist Mark Anderson joins us every other Monday. And Mark, uh, what are you sensing now with what you're reading with all these mock drafts and other teams talking about trading up, trading back, or the Raiders just staying there at number seven? I'm think I'm sensing that no one really knows what's going to happen. Yeah, because <laughs> everyone seems to have a different theory of what the Raiders are going to do. Uh, I, and I'm not even completely sure the Raiders know what they're going to do at this point. Mm-hmm. I think they're I think they're going to uh, try to be flexible and see what options they have and try to react accordingly. And it may be a deal that something happens on draft day, uh, draft night, and they get a deal, and that's what they do. Um, I'm not sure what the best option is. Um, I, I I think it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if they could trade down and, mm-hmm. and get extra picks. But but I don't know. But then you got to get a trade partner. And is there a trade partner out there? I I don't know. So yeah, I, it, it's. Yeah. I think I, I think the only trade partner is the Cardinals at number three. Going up, yeah. it wasn't the Bears as they tried to, which is fine if they were kicking the tires and not going to do it. To me, it just looks like the Cardinals going from 7-3. to three. I don't think Indy in the AFC is going to trade with the Raiders. I don't know why they're both looking for quarterbacks. Mark, I'm starting to get to the point where I think that the only way to get Richardson is you're going to have to trade up. And Levis could be much better than Richardson, but the media thinks to see uh, seems to think that the st- ceiling with Anthony Richardson is so high, it's like a Mahomes-type player that you can get there. So whatever they do, I think there's only going to be one quarterback available at number 7. Best-case scenario, and a lot of the mock drafts I'm looking at is all the quarterbacks are gone by 5. What happens if Seattle at 5 wants to take the back up to Geno and only play Geno for another year or two? So that's intriguing to me. Yeah, and they could. And, you know, I'm, I don't know if you're aware of my Florida grad. I saw the Gators play a lot. Mm-hmm. There's no question in my mind about Anthony Richardson's uh, ta- uh, talent, his athleticism, mm-hmm. but he wasn't accurate. And I don't know that that's something that you fix. And I, I'm i just not sold that he's going to be a top-tier quarterback. I understand why NFL teams are intrigued with him. I, I get all that. And, and maybe you can run a, like a Philadelphia Eagles-type offense and take advantage of that. But I just, I just think it's at the end of the day, I think you still have to be accurate, and I just don't know that he's ever going to get there. Mark Anderson joins us. So, yeah, as a Gator, you watch a lot of those games, and I get it. I watched all the Illinois games because my wife went to Illinois, and I saw Witherspoon play corner every game. When you look back at Richardson as a Gator alumni, how disappointed were you in some of those games, and then how impressed were you when he made plays against Georgia and made plays against the lead teams in the SEC with his legs outside the pocket? I think that's the only way you draft this guy because you think he can be an elite mobile quarterback outside the pocket. Yeah, I mean, if he gets in the right system, like I said, like an Eagles-type system, I think he can do well. I just think for the vast majority of teams, it's, it's a big ask. And, yeah, there were times that he was like he was unbelievable, and he thought, well, especially early in the season, I think it was a Utah game. He had this incredible play that made the I think it was like Sports Center's top ten or number one player or something. And you look at that, he's like, oh, this is going to be incredible. But he just was inconsistent, and he made awful mistakes that just killed your teams. And he just, you know, that was another thing. It wasn't just he was inaccurate. He would throw these horrible passes that would 
completely give the momentum to the other team. And I, and you know, maybe he, he improves a little bit, but I just, I just don't know that he's ever going to get there like a lot of teams think he might. Mark Anderson joins us. So, Mark, I can't imagine how many spring games you've been to in your career covering UNLV. And, again, I try to be optimistic with both football and basketball. We've been waiting a long time in this town. I I saw Coach Odom say something. He looked into the camera after practice, and he said the Legion Stadium is the best facility in all of Division One, and he meant it. And, and he needs to do that, and that's what they have to do. They have to remind kids in the portal. they got to get them to Vegas to see this building, see that locker room, see where they'll be playing, even though they have an awful television package, never know how to find the games other than radio here on our sister station. So when you look at another year, another new coach, another spring game with NIL and what's happening with the portal, what could change this time around that could make everybody positive out here? Yeah, I think he's doing the right thing. He's trying to sell the program, and I think that was a mistake that uh, Arroyo made. Is that he just he just wasn't visible enough. You know, you just never saw the guy. And so, I mean, you and I know they have great facilities, but a lot of other people might not know that. And that was very smart of Odom to do that. And I do think he's taking over a team that has a chance to make a bowl this season. And if they if he can get them there, then I think he can really sell recruits. So this is this this uh, program is moving upward. And uh, they do have to get the NIL going. You know, be is way behind when it comes to NIL. I think that's a big problem with the basketball program right now. I just think that they don't have the NIL money to give that other programs have, and I think it's really hurting them. And I don't know how you overcome that. And so they're going to have to figure that out. And uh, I mean, it's really hard to believe you know, be basketball of all programs would have that problem. You know, when you look back at the, at the program's history, but I just think that's what's happened in the city. I think most, a lot of the money's gone to investing into the, the pro teams, mm-hmm. and it, and then and UNLV has picked the time with the arrival of the Raiders and the arrival of Golden Knights uh, to to really hit a, a dry spell, and it and it so you got the double whammy there, and and people. I don't care how much money you have. You want to make sure your money's going to a, a good, you know, something productive. And, and I think a lot of people feel like that's not the case for UNLV right now. Very interesting. Mark Anderson, as we wrap it up. So, Mark, as I take a look at the schedule for the Golden Knights down the stretch, they took care of a lot of business this year with injuries, goaltender injuries, Mark Stone being out. And to sit here with the one seed overall, I thought, you know, a couple of the games recently, they lose in the shootout at Dallas. But... Tomorrow night, April 11th and the 13th, they're home against Seattle and at Seattle. And Seattle's not the team that people expect, but they're on track as a, a new expansion team here. These are the type of games that Vegas has to win and make sure that they don't flip-flop with Edmonton. This is a big moment for the one seed overall that I think actually can make a big difference in the playoffs. Yeah, it, it, the way that the Gold Knights have played since the All-Star break, you would think they're just running away with everything, but this division... Uh, especially Edmonton, they've done a great job of keeping pace, and the Oilers are, are a team you do not want to face in the playoffs. No. I think this is a big, big week. You you don't want to you don't want to fall to the second seed in the Pacific, and suddenly you're stuck with LA, which is a tough opponent to get out of the first round. You want to get that wild, the second wild card team in the conference, get that second wild card team, uh, which could be Winnipeg, could be Calgary, could be Nashville. That's you know, it's not that they can't lose to one of those teams, but you would definitely take that over in LA first round. And so you went LA to face Edmonton first round and mm-hmm. knock, and one of those teams knocks the other out. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's a big way. And I got to tell you, I am really impressed with the job Bruce Cassidy has done mm-hmm. so much uh, with, with all he's dealt with this season. It's just, you know, they had that one stretch when, when Stone got hurt, 
but then they came back after the All-Star break, and they have been on fire. And I felt that one point at Dallas, yeah, they could have won the shootout. But I think just getting a point without Eichel on the road with Quick and Goal, who's been struggling, I thought that was a tremendous job by them. Yeah, and they're still holding on here. 107 points. Edmonton's got 105. Colorado. Colorado has won five in a row, eight out of the last ten, eight, two, and oh. So Colorado, the defending cup champs, they're coming on strong here. And then we know what the rivalry's been like with Dallas there and the Kings. Hey, Mark, last one, your takeaway from John Rahm versus Liv Golf. I didn't think Mickelson could come in second, and I saw him leave a couple of putts short on his early round on Saturday, wrapping up the third round. I can't believe Phil almost had a chance to win the Masters. <laughs> I know. He, it's incredible. He's- yeah. Talking about, talking about turning back the clock and, you know, what a difference in him and Tiger. And Phil's older than Tiger, and Tiger's just, he looks like an old, old man at this point. And, uh, but yeah, John Rahm played great. I mean, I think Kepka kind of gave it to him in a lot of ways, too. Kepka had, you know, he, he just, you know, the, the final two rounds, he shot 73-75. He just cannot do that. And, and, and he gave Rahm an opening and gave Rahm credit. He took it. But, man, I thought, I thought Kepka really gave away that tournament. Thank you, Mark. Talk to you in a couple of weeks right before the draft. Thank you so much. Sounds good, JT. Thank you very yeah, much. Mark Anderson, really good. Good friend of the show and guy who can cover multiple sports, which is what you got to do in this town now. You know, that's what you got to do in this town. You got to cover multiple sports. He made an interesting point about UNLV competing in a business now, a business model with name, image, and likeness because a lot of people that live here want to donate their money to the pro teams. That would be season tickets, right? And the expense of going to a professional game. I go to games as a fan a lot. I'm a season ticket holder for the Raiders. It's not cheap, and it's part of my budget. Part of the money I do, I'm paying for two to go to college. And, you know, some things you got to give up to do other things. But there's got to be some rich people in this town, rich alumni. Problem is name, image, and likeness is not connected to the casino business because you can't have that connection. Imagine if you could. Imagine five years from now, Danny, if we get to the point where you can go, okay, name, image, and likeness, and the NCAA says casinos – are allowed to donate money towards name, image, and likeness. Can you imagine from Circa all the way to Mandalay Bay if they started writing checks for kids to play sports here? Absolutely. There's many, many different commercials they could do. All the casinos, there's, I mean, we got stations, we got Caesars, we got MGM, Circa, we got all those. There's so many different avenues they could do. I just don't think we're ready for the image of college kids. No, we're not. Promoting casinos. I no. got to put my foot down at some point, but then again, I stay in my lane because we got a lot of sponsors at our casinos, a lot of people we do business with. But can you imagine down the road if 19-year-old kids are making decisions for NIL because of casino checks? It would be wild, especially, I mean, there's already gambling on college sports. And you see at, yeah. these, at these even professional games, people who are betting while they're in the stands and watching the games, they can't handle themselves if a player doesn't help them win their bet. Imagine a 19-year-old. Well, that's a different topic for another day. I watched the UFC card. My son had kids over to watch that UFC card over the weekend, and I don't watch the women. I don't watch the women live because of the men, the men in the crowd. What the men in the crowd say to the women, and don't tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. I sat ringside, you know, sat right outside the octagon. I was there. I saw grown-ass men ripping up gambling tickets in front of women who had black eyes and got beat up fighting and the men saying stuff. When they come out of the octagon, I said, never again. Never again. I got offered to go to the professional fight league. I passed on it that night. I had plans. But if the women fight, I want the women. I support women's sports a lot. I want the women to make as much as the men. But when the women in combat sports are fighting, I go right to the bar. I don't leave. I don't watch. 
because I can't handle the Neanderthals in the crowd who are betting on the women and talking negative to the women. So I could care less if I'm interviewing Dana White or if I'm interviewing Bob Arum. I'd say the same thing. Women start getting in the ring or the octagon, I'm at the bar. Get me a vodka soda and meet me at the bar and tell me when it's over because the men are Neanderthals and the way they treat these women. That's a podcast. Jimmy, you're up next on the flagship of the Raiders. Go ahead. Jimmy's gone as we continue on here, and we got a guest coming up anyway. So thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, Jimmy. We appreciate that. 702-365-9200 as we continue. Coming up next, an NBA insider as we look ahead of what's going to happen here with the playoffs here. You know I'm pretty negative on what's happening with the playoffs here with the play-in game. Not the regular playoffs where I think these teams are going to be playing at 100%, playing their ass off, and we're going to see some unbelievable games coming up here. But the play-in tournament... I'm not interested. I'm not interested in the loser's bracket and exactly what's going to happen here. Vinny Goodwill's going to join us. He does a lot with Yahoo Sports, got a big podcast, The Good Word. He's also an NBA writer at SiriusXM. He'll join us on the other side as we get ready to wrap up the show. Remember, there's that brand-new PTs I was telling you about, Durango and Desert Inn. Man, what a spot to watch hockey if you're going to watch hockey along the way. PTs fuels the monologue. And as our proud partners, we continue on the flagship of the Silver and Black. Obviously, the height hurts him at times, seeing over the line and processing and seeing the field. But at the same time, I mean, he's just a tremendous talent. I mean, he really is. The stuff he does, you see in practice and in some games, I mean, he's just off the charts. The JT The Brick Show is brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. That's Steve Keim on his work with Kyler Murray, and they have the third pick overall in the draft. I'm not insinuating that Arizona wants to trade out of that or would take a quarterback, but if they didn't have Kyler Murray, they'd be getting a quarterback now. And I guarantee you Arizona would love to be out of the Kyler Murray business. I'm a fan of Kyler Murray, but Arizona is done with him. They are pretty much fed up with him. Welcome back as we continue on. We thank all our proud partners, partners including Resorts World. Resorts World, where they have eight cigar lounge, an unbelievable setup, and the Doghouse Saloon, where you can place your bets and watch sports. Vinny Goodwell, kind enough to join us. Great NBA insider. Love the podcast, Ball Don't Lie. One of the few that I download every week when we talk NBA. Vinny, thanks a lot for coming back, and I want to talk about what happened last night with that Minnesota Timberwolves fight amongst themselves, which was amazing as they got the Lakers coming up. Is this a bad look and a big problem for the NBA heading into the playoffs? I don't know if it's a big issue necessarily for the NBA. I just think it was a unfortunate thing. You wouldn't necessarily consider Rudy Gobert one of those types that stays ready to fight. But in the instance of there being a word, JT, that anybody is being called, fisticuffs might usually follow. And I think that's what happened there in Minnesota. A bigger thing that might be of an issue is, Jay McDaniels and hurt and breaking his hand. And that just shows you maybe the overall team immaturity and some of the issues that they are coming across as they are, you know, should be capping off what looks like in a successful sort of season that you need to have your focus headed towards the playoffs and you have to deal with all sort of play in rather. And you have to deal with all of this shrubbery. Like that should be the frustrating thing is that you can't even focus on that. You have to focus on the drama. Yeah, and there's a lot of drama considering they're in a situation now where they have to win. I mean, talk about rallying the troops and having them ready and using this as a motivational factor because I think we all agree Rudy Gobert and a suspension and the inability to play and and the matchup here is one of the best defensive players we've ever seen in his era there and how it affects their chances going forward. 
Absolutely. I mean, look, whatever whatever comes of it, it, it's certainly a black eye for Rudy Gobert. You know, however however it sort of plays out, especially with some of the things that he might have said or that he tweeted out after Draymond Green, you know, clocked Jordan Poole in training camp. Like, like you have to be sometimes very aware of the things that you say, and you put your team in such a poor position in a one-game playoff where if you are indeed the generational defender that we've known him to be, you now there's now a big hole there and, and some doubt, and now you have to completely change how you go about doing things, you know, if, if he's not going to play and how everything works, you know, moving forward. So it's just a bad look all the way around uh, for the Timberwolves, and it's a worse look for Rudy Gobert. Vinny Goodwell is our guest. You know, Vinny, I've been saying this, and I've been saying it for a while. I thought this was a really bad year for the NBA. I really do. I, I think that what happened with load management, and especially these past couple of games wrapping up the season here, and who got load management or not with the playoffs on the line, it really put a bad taste in my mouth. But I could say that because I love the NBA, and I know they're going to flip the switch, and the playoffs are going to be incredible because everybody plays their lights out. They have to because they could be eliminated. So, Recap the season for me from your perspective with the load management issue, the inability of Durant to get out on the court, the disastrous year for Kyrie Irving and what happened with the breakup of Brooklyn and him missing the playoffs. How would you think the season went? I, I, I think, you know, the season was eventful. And I think if anybody likes to say that the NBA is boring or they, they'd rather have a boring year, they're lying to themselves. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, the Kyrie Irving black guy did not – feel good for anybody and it led to the merciful sort of collapse of that entire Brooklyn Nets experience but Kyrie is in a different spot where he's not even at fault for what the mess in Boston in Dallas is with Luka Doncic and Mark Cuban as far as Durant goes I think so many people wanted to see Kevin Durant in a professional setting where he could apply his craft on a contender that has direction and that has so many positive things working for him. He landed in a better spot in Phoenix than what he was in mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. And as far as the low management thing, I, I I don't know if there's necessarily if that's necessarily a black eye for the league. I just think that is it's a bigger problem than the NBA. You get these kids coming into the NBA with so many miles on their bodies already. You're, the clock doesn't start when you get to the NBA. Your clock starts when you start playing basketball, and the NBA has to be able to balance out pragmatism and science and what's best for the customer moving forward. And as far as just the season as a whole, I think even though there's been a lot of mediocre teams, I think it's been a lot of competitive basketball and compelling basketball, especially Mm -hmm. post-All-Star break, where every night you had a game that mattered because you had teams that mattered that was jockeying for position. And the play-in has been pretty much an unmitigated success and a lot of people like me who were critics of the play-in tournament, we have mm-hmm. to sit back and eat a little bit of crow and say that the league did something right, especially in light of the CBA and what's going on there. And maybe their, their, their mid-season tournament, which I think is a bad idea, but they're kind of mm-hmm. high off of the supply of the play-in. So I think it's been a mixed bag. I don't think it's been a necessarily a terrible year. I think how the playoffs will go will determine what type of year that this is because, like you said, the eyeballs are going to be on for the next two and a half months. It's a marathon and a sprint all at the same time. Vinny Goodwell, as we wrap it up. So, Vinny, before we get to the matchups, I just want your a comment on Luka Doncic. As a lot of people are stirring the pot on social media about him eventually wanting out of Dallas 
if they don't get this right and the power that he has and all the player entitlement that he's seen since he's been in the league from Durant and especially Harden and players when they want to go from team to team, if everybody else can do it, he'll have the right to do this. How big of an issue is this going to be for Mark Cuban? Because I don't think Kyrie wants to be in Dallas. Cuban's handling that, saying that their emphasis is to sign him. I don't think it's going to happen, and how will that reflect on Luka going forward? I think... If anybody can predict what goes on inside the mind of Kyrie Irving, they should give me the lottery numbers because they, they, have, they have access to a higher power that I don't have. Uh, but I, I think from the standpoint of Dallas as a whole and Luka Doncic, there's, Luka, there's a Luka Doncic issue that is strictly on Luka Doncic. is the way that he plays and maybe the way that he comports himself that makes it hard for you as an organization to build around him because he's so ball-dominant and he dominates so many possessions and you don't know exactly how to build around him. Maybe he's an Allen Iverson where you just put rebounders and grinders around him because there's not going to be a whole lot of oxygen there for a second star to really thrive when you look at some of the players that have played with Luka and then have suddenly played a lot better away from him. Now the Dallas issue is a Mark Cuban issue where the Jalen Brunson fiasco or the Kristaps Porzingis trade that is now that they're still paying the bill on he has not done a great job of surrounding his star trademark talent with talent around them. Dirk Nowitzki was doing a lot of work for a number of years there with patchwork teams, and we put all of that on Dirk when a lot of that should have been on Mark Cuban for not surrounding a franchise player Mm -hmm. with requisite help. And with Luka Doncic, it's kind of going to be the same thing, even though Luka has accountability there as well. So from Dallas, I don't look at Jason Kidd. I don't look at Nico Harrison. I look at Luka Doncic, and I look at Mark Cuban. Vinny Goodwell. So, Vinny, a couple of matchups. Your expectations for the Lakers after the Timberwolves fight. Uh, the Lakers here in the play-in as they get a chance to play on Tuesday. Again, I like the Lakers. I thought they peaked at the right time near the end of the year, but I don't know if I'm going to get Anthony Davis on the low block or Anthony Davis who's going to want to shoot threes and miss threes. I expect everything out of LeBron, but can Reeves make outside shots? What's the puncher's chance for the Wolves against the Lakers to start in the play-in? Well, if their heads were right, you know what I mean? They, mm-hmm. they could have the inner, They could have a level of, of energy and almost like a devil-may-care sort of, approach to it because nobody would be expecting anything from them but i'll tell you this you put anthony edwards in a one game situation with that young man with that with that level of appetite that he has for success and the way that his game has grown the way that his defense has improved the way that he's sort of taken a mantle as the guy for that franchise i give them a little more of a puncher's chance i do think the lakers are going to win just because of so many of the peripheral issues mm-hmm. with the Timberwolves right now but I, but I do give the Timberwolves a shot if nothing else just because you have Anthony Edwards and he has all that energy and for the Lakers to me it's not about getting out of the play-in they feel like they have championship aspirations and I can't remember the last time that I saw Anthony Davis and LeBron James healthy and on the floor for two months at a time without either of those guys getting hurt. All right, one more out west with the Warriors. I had a pretty bitter taste in my mouth when Mike Brown sat two of his best players against the the Warriors. I get that. I get that and what was happening. Sacramento secured the three seed already, but now they get the Warriors. And when we look at what could happen here with the Warriors on short travel and a little bit of rest here, and they're awful. I mean, god-awful on the road, but they're the team that can flip the switch. Give me your expectations in that series. 
I think if anybody is is expecting the Warriors to just walk through Sacramento, you might have you got to be very careful about that because Sacramento can mm-hmm. score as well as anybody when they when they when De'Aaron Fox gets downhill and you've got Sabonis as another playmaker ball handler like they can give Golden State a lot of trouble. Now, granted, like you said, it could be a you know a short flight. So for some of those older legs, you know that can be mm-hmm. big for Clay Thompson. That can be big for Draymond Green. And when you add Andrew Wiggins back to the equation, it could look like that these are the same Golden State Warriors that we saw take down the Boston Celtics in six games in the NBA Finals last June. But I think so many teams in the West would have been problems for Sacramento in the first round anyway. It could have been the Clippers or it could have been the Lakers or even the the Pelicans. No matter who was going to be in that spot, they were going to look at Sacramento as the most desirable matchup because they lack the playoff experience and they don't play defense. So I don't think Golden State has an advantage over Sacramento any more than any other prospective six seed would have had had they landed in that spot. Last one. Uh, we know it's Milwaukee, Boston, and the 76ers. Milwaukee won't have to play one of those two teams to the Eastern Conference Finals if it plays out that way. Any surprise, anything you can leave us with with the Eastern Conference outside of Milwaukee being the one seed, and who do you like between the Celtics and the 76ers if one of them knocks them out? Um. I'm not sure. I put it like this. The weird thing is I would give Boston more of a puncher's chance against Milwaukee because I feel mm-hmm. like they're a, better, they're a better matchup as far as Tatum and Brown, the speed and skill that those two guys have on the wings. If there is a, a roster flaw with the Milwaukee Bucks, they don't have fast skill guys on the wings that can defend Tatum and Brown in that way in space. You got your Grayson Allens and your Pat Connaughton's and Jay Crowder, who's long in the tooth, and Chris Middleton, who's still coming off and working himself back from an injury. Like they can really take advantage of the Bucks in that department if things get close. So just like last year was a bad matchup for the Bucks. I feel like the Bucks would have repeated if Chris Middleton were not hurt. It can sort of bear itself out the same way this time. And if you're if you're betting on the 76ers, you have to bet on Doc Rivers and you have to bet on James Harden. And there's one thing I don't do is that, and that's bet on James Harden in the postseason. Same here. I do not bet on James Harden. Vinny Goodwill, who has to jump, and we got to jump because we're out of here here at this point. Danny, good job running the board for Bobby. I appreciate that. Commanders have received at least two bids for six billion. That's the news at NFL.com now on NFL Live. Wow. Two for six billion. I still think Snyder's playing shenanigans and stalling. Just me. Thanks to Mark Anderson and Vinny for joining us. Big shows the rest of the week, as always. VGK could wrap up the season with two wins, hopefully against Seattle. Have a great day. Q's on deck with a great show, as always. Thanks for listening, everyone.